Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Sorry. <laughs> you think I'd get that right? Um, the inside joke being that um, a lot of people randomly call him Carl. Why? I don't know. Um, is that weird and random? Yeah. Uh, you'd think a cool, hip music guy would have a better stage name, but, but here we are. And uh, our youth pastor, Paul Wingfield, told me he'd pay me $10 if I said that three times from the stage today. So I just got my lunch paid for. Um, my name's Nathan Ellis. I used to be the, the youth pastor here. Um, we, my wife and I, we still attend here. I'm just not serving in that capacity anymore. I'm a, I'm a mental health counselor. I work at Creekside Hospital. Um, and I'm super, super awesome to get to talk to you guys today. It's been a while since I've been up here. Um, actually, it's kind of funny. My wife and I came to the uh, blood drive yesterday that we had here, and I saw Tommy Taylor and he said, you know, with COVID, uh, my wife and I, we, we stepped out for about a year. And, and when we came back, you had a baby. <laughs> I was like, yeah, a lot happens in a year. Um, so a quick update, because I know there's some new faces who don't know me at all. And some of you haven't seen me, and now I have a baby. Um, so my family's doing well. Um, Stephanie and I have both gotten some new jobs recently that allow us to be home a little bit more uh, with the boys, which is super cool. So we're doing really well. Hanley's doing awesome. He's in first grade now. We just started T-ball this past week. Um, and uh, yeah, there he is. Look at that. How adorable. Uh, he hit a home run on his very first at-bat. Yeah. Um, he didn't really know where to run after that, but he did it. And it was really cute. He called my, my parents after, after the game to tell him how it went. And he goes, he goes, Mimi, I hit a touchdown on my very first try. <laughs> I was like... All right, we'll get there. We'll get there. So a lot of talent. We just got to work on some stuff. So uh, that's super fun. We're now T-ball parents and, and having a fun time with that. And then obviously the star of the show is Shepard. Um, there he is. Uh, that's his little model pose. Um, that's Shepard. Um, we're at about six, a little over six months now. And he is so sweet. He is a very sweet, he really is. He's a sweet baby. He's a smiley baby. He loves interacting with people um, when he's not sweet or smiley. Um, he's screaming and crying, and sometimes he does them simultaneously, which is really unnerving. Um, but we are super blessed. I'm, I'm trying to enjoy it as much as I can, right? How many thousands of times have we heard people say, uh, you know, it goes by so fast? And um, I've taken that to heart. I'm really trying to sink into every little moment and, and not take it for granted. I tell people that a lot, that, that I'm not taking this for granted at all. Um, Especially if you guys didn't know, Stephanie and I went through two miscarriages before we, we ended up with Shepherd, And um, those were some really difficult seasons for us, um, really painful times. And uh, to, you know, some of the, the more difficult, most difficult seasons I've ever experienced myself. And I remember one time specifically, it was maybe a week, two max, after we had found out about one of the miscarriages, we, we came to church and it just happened to be a baby dedication Sunday. 
where parents come up and they, and they kind of bring up their babies and it's a sweet, kind time where they dedicate their babies to God. And, and to be honest with you, to be transparent uh, for Stephanie and I, that was not, not good. Um, we were not in a good place um, spiritually, emotionally. And what was meant to be a really powerful, fun, exciting, positive time for us came with a lot of, of pain, right? And um, so, so I recognize the blessing of my baby because even when he's crying and it's late at night and he's keeping me up and I'm so annoyed, I really do. I go back to remembering that time when I would have given anything to have a crying baby to keep me up at night, right? And um, I say that because we're about to step in in the next few weeks into a, a series on relationships. We're gonna be spending a couple weeks talking about uh, marriage and then we're gonna spend a couple weeks talking about parenting. And um, it's just really important to me and it's been heavy on my heart that I just wanna to mention before we get into all of that, and I'm gonna be kind of launching it today, I, I just wanna recognize that there's people in this room now, people watching online, and there will be people throughout this series who, who come and, and hear what we have to say, um, where these topics are very sensitive. They bring with them a lot of pain. Uh, with, um, and, and I recognize that. And so if, if that's maybe you today, if you fall into to one of those categories where when we talk about marriage, it's difficult for you to hear. Uh, maybe you're, you're living in a, a life of singleness and desiring to, to have a mate, or, or um, maybe you've recently gone through a messy divorce or, or um, survived an abusive relationship, maybe even experienced the death of a spouse. And things, topics like marriage um, are difficult for you. Or maybe you're someone who's, who's in a, a similar place to where Stephanie and I were um, a few years back where um, you're having a hard time having children and you desperately desire to do so. And I just wanna just acknowledge that that's real. And I just wanna let you know if that's you, man, like your pain is real and it's valid. Um, I, I would like to be able to stand here and tell you like very cliche church things of, hey, even if you're not in this season, we want, we want to invite you to come and join us and you can still get a lot of good things out of it. And, and I think that that's true. But honestly, uh, you know, when, that's, when Stephanie and I were in our, in our low places, that's the last thing we wanted to hear. Um, it's not right. It's just honest, right? Um, and so I just want to recognize that that's tough. So if that's you or, or maybe somebody that you know about, uh, um, I just want to encourage you like during this season, during these next few weeks, like I recognize there's gonna, that's a battle. That's tough. You're in the middle of a serious war. And I just encourage you like, let's fight that war together. Um, we weren't meant to do that alone. I think the thing that, that really helped us through, we, we had people come in all over the place when we went through our, our season of um, people we had never met all the way to people we'd known for 20 years and had no idea they had had similar experiences that came and encouraged us, walked with us through that. Joel was excellent for, uh, to us during that time. Our life group was, was super to help us get through that. So I just encourage you, man, there, um, you're not alone in that. And, and I just want you to reach out to people as we go through these next few weeks. So um, don't do it alone. Uh, personal note, just because it's something that we're really passionate about. Like I said, I'm a mental health counselor, so I talk about feelings. Um, my wife is much cooler. She's a psychiatric nurse practitioner, so she does like medications, which is way cooler than what I do. Um, but we've got some, uh, uh, we have just some, some connections in the community. If you're someone who's wanting to step into maybe a next step of looking for a professional help, um, whether that be in therapy or anything that that looks like, please use us as a resource. Um, we've got a, we can maybe help get you connected with some people, get you pointed in the right direction. Um, I know it's kind of like a personal plug in some ways, but I, I, wanna, I want us to be a resource to you guys. Um, if that's something that you're looking at doing and you just don't know where to start, we can kind of help you in that process. So I know that's a little bit more of a somber start than you guys are, are probably used to from me. Um, 
but man, that's just been heavy on my heart. As we step into talking about this series on relationships, that's not just necessary, it's super necessary. Um, I think the things that we're gonna be talking about over these next few weeks are, are massive for us in our culture right now. Like we have got to talk about these things, but I also at the same time recognize the hurt that, that comes along with it. So if that's you, man, I just admire you for being here and tuning in. Um, and uh, and uh, I just encourage you to continue to fight those battles. Cool, with me. So, um, so like I said, I, I get a chance to launch us into this um, series on relationships today. And what I wanna do is I wanna start um, by looking in Joshua. Uh, we're gonna be in Joshua chapter 24. It's the, the last chapter in Joshua. And a fair warning, because I'm about to read to you a verse that's gonna absolutely blow your ever living minds. You are about to go crazy when I read this. You're gonna, you are going to, it's, crazy things might happen. Um, if you're new to the church, fair warning, people might start shouting. Um, some people might get so hyped that they start running around the room. Stephen Hamby will probably go get a snake and do some weird stuff with it. Um, no judgment, you know, worship is worship. You know, I'm not judging your journey, but I just want to warn you because that's how cool this passage is, okay? And it happens in verse one of chapter 24 of Joshua. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. If you have an app, you can flip to it. Um, if you don't have any of that, don't worry, it's gonna be on the screen behind me. Um, or if you're just lazy, you can just read this. That's cool too. Um, but fair warning, this is crazy stuff, okay? Here we go. In, in verse one, it says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Okay. Huh. No snakes, <laughs> anything like that? I'm on, right, Nelson? They can hear me? All right, let me try that again. Maybe, maybe you missed it. Here we go. You ready? Crazy stuff is going on here. Get hyped. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to do a thing that I hate it when pastors do this. Um, usually when they tell me to do this, I refuse to do it out of principle. It's not right. It's just honest. But I'm going to make you participate. Uh, if you want to refuse out of principle, go for it. I'll never know. I'm going to start the phrase, and you're going to finish it. You ready? Because I want us to get this in our minds. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to... Shechem! Hey, Shechem! You don't seem too jazzed. It's okay. Neither was I when I first read this, right? Like, this is just like a random place, a random name of one of these Old Testament places that I usually just kind of skip over. When I'm reading the Old Testament, I don't even try to, to pronounce these. I usually just mumble past them. Like, I would typically, if I'm just reading the Bible, I would just be like, oh, and he, tri he gathered the tribes of Israel's to, mm, and they summoned the leaders. And I would just go on. It's not right. It's just honest. Um, that's what I would usually do. But location matters in the Bible, right? I've learned over the years that, that every word that's in this is there for a reason. And um, there's a lot of meaning to the place that we're talking about here. And I wanna spend some time unpacking the meaning behind this, why this is so cool, why you should be running around um, chanting things, um, because I think it really shows us a better picture of what's going on in the rest of this narrative, okay? So we're talking about this place called Shechem. And the first time that I know of that Shechem shows up in the Bible 
um, is in Genesis 12. It might be in there before that. I honestly don't know. I'm not a professional, but I know it shows up in Genesis 12 um, when we're talking about Abram, who later becomes Abraham. And many of you probably know the story. Um, God comes to Abram. He says, hey, I want you to pack up all your stuff, pack up your, your family, and I want you to move. And Abraham's like, cool, where are we going? And God says, I'm not gonna tell you. You'll figure it out when you get there. And he says, all right. And he tells his wife, which is really the, the miracle of the story, hey, we're going to pack up and move, and I don't know where we're going. And she says, okay. And there they go. And so they travel, they travel, they travel. And guess where they end up? In Shechem. And they, get, they finally get to Shechem. And because Abraham was faithful, God makes a really important covenant to Abraham. He says, because of your faithfulness, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And he says a few other things too that are important, but that's the big thing. He says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations and through you, the whole world will be blessed, which is kind of a precursor to Jesus, right? He's saying through your line will come Jesus who is going to bless the whole world, a veiled promise there um, that I want you to, to keep locked in your brain because I'm going to come back to that here in a second. So, so he's making these really cool, these really cool promises to, to Abraham. And there in Shechem, Abraham builds an altar in honor of this covenant. Well, um, in order to be the father of many nations, you have to first be the father of at least one son. And so uh, God is faithful. He um, allows uh, Sarah to have um, a son. His name's Isaac. She has him when she is 90. Can someone say, ouch? Um, wow. She has a son when she's 90 years old. We've got Isaac. Isaac later has two sons, Jacob and Esau, who we hear about. We hear about Jacob the most. Um, he is a uh, He's a, he's a bad dude. He's, he's shady. He gets into stuff. He's like that one kid that you have that's like, oh, we're never having another kid after this one. Uh, he gets into a bunch of stuff. He, he's running around all over the place, just kind of being wild. Um, but God eventually kind of gets a hold of him, very literally, gets a hold of him. And, um, and Jacob begins to follow God. And, and um, he ends up landing and deciding to live in, guess where? In Shechem. And while he's there in Shechem, he digs a well, appropriately called Jacob's Well. And uh, to, to my knowledge, you can still go there today and see it. I think this well is literally there um, in what used to be Shechem that you and I could go and touch. I think that's right. I've never done it. I'm not a professional, but I think it's still there, which is cool, right? Because it reminds us that all of these things that we're reading about, these are not fairy tales. Like these are real people doing real things. And these actually happened in real life. You can go, you can touch the well, maybe, or, or there's ropes around it that maybe you can't touch it. It seems like an important thing. I don't know, but it's there, which is really cool. So he digs this well in Shechem. Um, and Jacob eventually has 12 sons. We know the, the youngest, the best. His name is Joseph. Heard of him before? He's got a coat that has many colors. He gets sold into slavery um, and he ends up in Egypt. And, uh, you know, Sunday school taught us all about Joseph. He, he starts as a slave. He ends up as uh, second in command. So he started from the bottom and now he's here, which is a reference to a rap song, which makes me relevant with the young people. So young people. I got you. Um, so he ends up second in command and he essentially saves the entire known world from famine. Well, well, God does it through him, right? But because he's able to interpret dreams, um, God allows him to do that. 
And he essentially saves the entire known world from this famine. Um, he's a big dog now in Egypt, and his entire family moves with him to live in Egypt. And that's important because way back when we have Abraham, I told you there's different parts of the promises he made. God said something really weird at the time, but it makes sense now. He says, hey, just so you know, the people are going to leave Shechem. They're going to leave this place that I've given them, but don't worry, I'm going to bring them back. Just remember, when they leave, I'm going to bring them back. And that becomes important because as the people of Israel are living in Egypt, they eventually become enslaved by the Egyptians. And they live in slavery for about 400 years. And that entire time that they're living in slavery, they continue to look back on that promise that God made that said, hey, eventually I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to save you from this. Joseph is cool, man. Um, he, he, he's, he's awesome. And uh, when he's about to die, uh, his dying wish is this. He says, when I die, bury my bones for a little bit. You know, don't just leave the dead body hanging out. That'd be weird. Bury the bones for a little bit. But when we go back, not if, but when we go back, take my bones and lay me to rest in Shechem. Shechem. Thank you, Drew. In Shechem. Does this place matter? Is this place important? Yeah. And so that, you know, Moses eventually comes in, leads the Israelites out. They go through this weird adventure in the wilderness. They wander around. They eat bread that's given to them from birds. It's really crazy. It's a huge adventure. And uh, Moses eventually dies and Joshua takes over. Joshua is the man. He is super cool. He's a warrior, by the way. He kills a lot of dudes. Like, he's a bad dude. He's not just like sweet, kind Santa Claus. He is, he is a man's man. Um, he's super faithful to the Lord. Um, they do all of these crazy things. He's their leader. And he eventually leads them exactly where God said they would be, um, back to Shechem. And that's where we hit this verse in this chapter here in chapter 24. What we have happening here, I want you to get this, is Joshua at the end of his life, He's, as he's about to die, he's standing before the Israelite people to give one of his final declarations to them, the powerful leader who's brought them where they're, where they're supposed to be. The task has been completed. He's about to stand before them in Shechem. And they're about to lay Joseph's bones to rest by the well that Jacob dug at the very place that over 400 years ago, Abraham built an altar that said, hey, God is faithful and he's gonna bring us back here. And here we are to pay homage to that. <sighs> Do you feel the weight of this moment? This is not just Joshua just chatting it up with his friends half-heartedly. This is not him just saying some stuff. This is a huge pinnacle moment. The Israelites are about to lay Joseph's bones to rest in Shechem. And here comes Joshua, their leader, the guy they've looked to, to get them through all sorts of crazy things, who's about to stand up and address them for probably the final time before his death. This is big. This is huge. And I want you to feel the bigness of it. I spent way too long going through all of that because it's important that we understand the gravity of what's about to be said. What he's about to say is not just half-hearted. It is, it is with huge purpose. 
Now, what I want to do is I want to read through these verses, and it's, it's quite a few verses. I, I don't like usually reading through a lot of verses um, um, just because I don't want people to get lost in the mud, but this is cool stuff, and I think it's really important that we understand what he's saying. Um, he's going to go through, he gives this speech. It's a killer speech. He's going to be re- calling back to all the times when God has been faithful from the time of Abraham, right? He's been faithful here. 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 Look at God. Look at all the things God has done. And then at the very end, he's going to make his declaration that all of us have heard probably that, hey, you choose for yourself who all you want to worship and serve, but this God who's been faithful, 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 that's the God I'm going to serve, right? So let's read through that together. And as I do, just remember, This is a big, powerful moment. This is not just a little bit. This is big. So here we go. Um, I'm not a very good reader, so bear with me. And don't make fun of me because I'll cry later. I'm sensitive to that. It's chapter 24. It says, Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, uh, the father of, of Abraham and of Nahor. And they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac and to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. And I gave Esau the hill country of Seir uh, to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterwards I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you came to the sea and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. And you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you and I gave them into your hand and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zephor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel, and he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Bor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you, and also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Gerasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand, and I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, and two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you the land on which you had not labored and the cities that you had not built and you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers, or sorry, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites and those lands that you dwell. But here we go. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Man, can you imagine being one of those 
people in the crowd who's like holding on to those little idols that they had maybe brought with them from Egypt. You've been doing kind of like the God thing. You're like, hey, thanks for the manna that you're giving me. I'm kind of in, but I also kind of like worshiping my little gods. And here you are about to lay Joseph's bones to rest and the leader stands before you and he starts recounting all of these amazing things that God did. And he says, choose for yourself. If you wanna go worship those little idols, you can go do that. But as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. What are you gonna do? Whew, I would feel very small. I would feel itty bitty in that moment, right? This is huge. Um, I think the gravity here is important for us today as we see this passage, because as we start to talk about relationships over the next few weeks, what I want us to understand is that what we're called to do is not an easy calling. It is very difficult to be the kind of person, the Christian, the kind of um, husband, the kind of wife, the kind of parent, the kind of friend that God has called us to be is not an easy task. This is probably the hardest thing that you will ever do. Following God the way he's called us to requires us to do things we don't want to do. It requires us to do things that are uncomfortable, to do things that hurt, to do things um, that are painful. It is by no means easy. And I would even say like, hey, we're in 2021. Have you felt it recently? Being a follower of Christ, a full-fledged follower of Christ in this society is getting a little bit harder. I mean, we still live in a part of the world where where it's easier to follow Christ probably than just about anywhere else. But man, it's getting harder. Um, I'm raising two kids in 2021. Are you kidding me? Trying to raise kids in this society and in this culture to be followers of God? It is hard. Trying to maintain a healthy marriage in this society and in this culture, it is not something that you just, ah, we're going to kind of try this out and hopefully it works. It's not going to work at that point because we're in a war, right? Like this is a battle. This is real stuff. Every day, the enemy is working through society, through culture to overrun us. And if we're just kind of passively trying to fight back and just kind of like going through our day-to-day, we will lose because the enemy is out for us. And if we're gonna be the people that God has called us to be, it requires us to have a Shechem moment where we are going to put our foot down. We're gonna draw that line in the sand. We're gonna throw down the gauntlet and we're gonna say, you know what? I am making this declaration and this commitment that as for me and my house, no matter what happens and no matter what you do, we will serve the Lord. It requires that power. That's why I spent so much time talking about how big this moment is. It's not half-hearted. This is a huge deal. And so for us to be who we've been called to be, it requires us to absolutely put our foot down and decide this is who we are to a T because it's going to be hard. And we're going to mess up. And when we do mess up, we have to always go back to that Shechem moment where we say, no, this is how we've built our life. This is who I'm building my life on. No matter what happens around me, no matter what culture looks like around me, no matter what society looks like around me, this is who I am. And parents, this is who my family is. Quick side note for parents. I think that's important for us to hear. As for me and my house, I'm making that decision for my house. We live in a society that's all about um, some weird stuff where you should give, there's a lot of pressure, I think, on parents to give your kids a lot of freedoms and let them make some, these, all these decisions for themselves and, and don't be too mean to them and all these things. And um, I think I'm here to, to give you permission as parents, or, or really God gives you permission um, and science does too, I'll get to that in a second, that it's okay to set those boundaries for your kids. It's okay to tell them no. 
It's okay while they're in your house to say, in this house, we serve the Lord. Now, at some point, your kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna have to decide for themselves what they're gonna do for Jesus. But while they're in your house, they're in your house. And I want you to feel empowered to make that your house. In our house, we serve the Lord. It's not optional. Like, it's not just like an option. Hey, do you want to? Maybe not. No, no, no. It's not optional. I literally have a, a specialized a licensure in parent-child interaction therapy, secular therapy, st- science stuff. So I am, I am like specially licensed to teach parents how to parent. So you'd think I would be better at it, right? Um, and the, basically the crux of the entire thing that we do is empower parents to say no. We empower parents to set boundaries, to put the kid in timeout, to tell him, no, we're not doing that right now. To say, I know that you don't like that restaurant, but that's where we're going today. That's what we do. Like the science will tell you that it is good for your child to set those boundaries. To, while they're in your house, make it your house. There's way too many houses right now that are run by the kids. Like the kids rule that house. I see it all the time. It's your house. It's okay to make it your house. Feel empowered to do that. Grandparents, a little bit different for you, but still, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we're gonna serve the Lord because that's who we are to a T. So that's the huge takeaway that I want us to have today is I want us to walk away today knowing how important that decision has to be. That if we're gonna be the people that God's called us to be in our relationships, as we talk about these things over the next few weeks, I want us to understand that like it requires us to be steadfastly committed to what we've been called to be. If you're gonna serve other gods, go serve other gods, choose for yourself. But if you're gonna serve our God, you have to pick the team. You have to be fully in it, invested, because it's not easy. You can't be halfway invested, you'll lose. Um, and so I think that's a really important takeaway for us today. Cool? Am I fired up? Um, one more thing that I want to mention, and I know that we're kind of running short on time, so I'll, I'll be quicker with it. Um, and uh, to, to kind of introduce the idea, I have a, a, a special guest that I'm going to try and bring in. We've been working, Kyle and, and, and Drew have been helping me set up a um, technology. So we're going to try and FaceTime a guy who's going to come in and kind of introduce this next idea. So let's see how it goes. Awesome. There it is. Hey. Oh, you're muted. Yeah, Nate, you're muted. You're going to have to, uh, yeah, unmute that. It happens every time. Golly. Can you hear me now? Check, yeah, check. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Awesome. We got you. Awesome. What's up, guys? <laughs> hey. hey. What's up, Nate? How are you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing well. How are you? Sweet. I'm doing well, too. Nice cool. shirt, by the way. Love thanks, it. Thanks. I'm Love sure it. yours is I'm, cool as well. I mean, it's just not quite as good as yours. Yeah, I get it. I know. Um, I know so how it is. So are we ready? Can I show them the house now? Yeah, dude. It's all you. Take it away. Sweet. All right, guys. So here's what I'm about to do. I'm about to show you guys my house. Now, for all of you people who are thinking about getting married, soon to be married, things like that, this is a terrible idea because I haven't told anyone, my wife included, that I'm about to do this. I haven't, we haven't cleaned anything. Nobody's vacuumed. Nobody's put away underwear. My wife has no idea what's about to happen. So it's not a good idea. Don't do this at home. Um, I've been married for about two and a half years now, so I'm hoping I've built up enough good faith to survive this. If not, then, um, well, honey, I, I, I loved you very much. All right, so... Um, let's do it, and I wish I could turn this around, but I don't know if I can, so I'm just gonna, we're just gonna go. So, 
Here we go. Garage. Yes, we don't care. It's garage. Wow, it's nighttime outside. How does that happen? I have no idea, dude. That's weird. weird. So this is the kitchen. As you can see, there's my sweet Maylee. She loves me very much. We love our kitchen very much, except for the fact that the um, refrigerator doesn't fit into the cabinets. So we have to pull it out in order to be able to open it. So we can't use that door. I don't know if I'm getting this on video well or not, but hello, refrigerator that has no ice maker. Um, okay, um, over here, there's outside, there's a grill. I just made burgers. They're so good. We're about to eat, as you can see right there. Very greasy. Um, that's my sister, Jenna. Say hi, Jenna. Who are you uh, the church. This is for the church. Say hi. Oh, nope. Okay. This is my nanny. Do you have anything to say to the church, nanny? Hey, church. 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 Yeah. Uh, she's getting... She can't talk. You know how she is. <laughs> um, this is our living room. We love our living room. My sister's bedroom. She's staying with us for the week. Um, but it's usually just as, as messy, to be honest with you. This is our screened-in porch. We loved this when we first got here. This is like one of the big reasons why we moved here. It's so cool. Um, unfortunately, we barely ever use it because that's what you do with rooms that you love is you barely ever use them, <laughs> but it looks cool. All right, so we're gonna move over here real fast through the hallway, check out the barn door bathroom. You can't see it, but there it is, kind of slides around here. Um, so this barn door has been here since we got here, two and a half years, and today I finally put a lock on it. <laughs> Um, so all of our guests have been using this bathroom with no lock on it. Um, we just do the uh, trust method. Oh, there's a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> okay, so onward we go. This is a cool room. Check out the fireplace over there. I thought I was going to do a lot of wood fireplaces. Haven't done that yet. I even got an electric fireplace. Haven't ever turned that on either. So tough life. It's a tough life. We're going to run upstairs real fast. Yep, go, Maylee, go. Here's Hanley's room. It looks great. Hanley, Mia, say hi. Hi, Mom. No, it's the church. Oh, hi, church. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's church. okay. So, you have anything you want to say? Uh, this is my room. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, tell them what you just did. Uh, hit baseball. Hit, hit baseball. baseball. And yes. The first time I got a home run. Yeah. <laughs> we just got back from our first t-ball game. He hit a home run on his first try, or as he called it, a touchdown. We're working on it. Um, this is my beautiful wife. Say hi. Who is that? It's the church. Oh. You're talking to the church right now. Uh, do you want to say anything? No. Do you love me? Yes. All right. And just a few more. So we've got bathroom there. Don't care. I'm, it, you'll make sense later. Here's the extra room that we have. Doesn't really matter. Shepherd's room. Now this one looks very nice. But that's because my grandmother was coming over. And she said she specifically wanted to see the nursery, so we uh, made sure to clean it. Haha, <laughs> that's the master bedroom, but because I, I love my wife and I want to keep my marriage, we're not going to go in there. She uh, probably wouldn't like that very much. All right, almost done. Go, Maylee, go. All right, then we're going to go down here. Our awesome basement. It smells like urine, but you can't smell that. I've got a lot of cool tools in there. So men, I have tools. It's great. Um, so welcome to our basement. It's a little bit of a mess, but that's okay. Right, Maylee? Okay. Um, and so we have a messy bedroom, or I mean a basement. 
We've got some workout stuff over there that we've never used, but it makes us feel good to have it. And this is infamous a little bit. So this is the other side of our basement. We've got some laundry stuff. We've got my sister's rabbit that we're kind of taking care of, but also just kind of leaving down here. And she's supposed to be taking care of it. And if it dies, it's not my fault. So this is where my cat uses the litter box. For those of you who have been around for a while, you know um, I preached one time about how my cat poops in the floor. And we do have some poop stains on the floor. Um, so, you know, if you're ever looking to buy this house in the future, um, oh well, I just cost myself some money probably. But we're down to two litter boxes now and they're nice and clean. You're looking at a litter box in the middle of church right now. And that's all the stuff that is junk that I need to organize and I'll get to it one day. So anyways, yeah, there's my house. Um, hope this was great. Uh, I, I guess that's that's about, about all I got. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to pass it back over to you. Nice shirt, by the way. Yeah, you said that already. Yeah, I know. It's it's so good. You have to say it twice. Yeah, then, I get you know? that. Yeah, totally. All right. Um, peace, love, deuces. I'm going to go eat some cheeseburgers. You guys enjoy your service. Nathan, don't mess up. All right. Bye. See you, man. Everybody say bye. Bye. Why did you do that? Why did you just say bye? Um, and scene. It has a point, I promise. Um, there's, a, there's a song that I really like. It's called Mansions by a guy named NF. And um, it's a, basically the idea of the song is he compares parts of his mind to different rooms in a house. So he talks about how like maybe one room represents his anger and one room represents his pride and one room represents his regrets. And he kind of walks you through the, his house his, his mind and talks about how like some of these rooms are nice and clean and other them, of them are not. They're the kind of rooms that you don't want people to see, right? Um, let me re read just a couple of lines from it just so you can kind of get the gist of what we're going with. All of my poetic people are gonna love these kinds of things. It says, my, my mind is a house with walls covered in pain. My problem is I don't fix things. I just try to repaint. Cover them up like they never happened. Say, I wish I could change. Are you confused? Come upstairs and I'll show you what I mean. This room's full of regrets and it just keeps getting fuller, it seems. The moment I walk into it is the same moment that I wanna leave. Um, I get sick to my stomach every time I look at these things, but it's hard to look past where this is the room that I sleep. Tracking me? Um, fear came to my house years ago and I let him in. Maybe that's a problem because I've been dealing with this ever since. I thought he would leave, but it's obvious he never did. He must have picked a room, got comfortable and settled in. Now I'm in a position where I sit here and I can either let him win or put him outside where he came from, but I never can. Because in order to do that, I'd have to open the doors. Is that me or the fear talking? I don't know anymore. Deep, right? This deep idea that like there's different rooms that we have that represent our lives. And as I was prepping this message and we're talking about as for me in my house, it made me think about that song. It made me think about the way that like, when we talk about my house, I absolutely think that, that Joshua in this case is talking about his actual household, his family. But I think there's a cool twist that we could put on it that has true biblical principles, where if we consider your house, not to necessarily mean your family, but what if it means yourself and all the different parts of yourself. Just like I have rooms that are pretty that we like for our guests to see, there's parts of me that is looks good and I like to present it to others. And there's also rooms in me that I don't want people to see. Are we right? Uh, like you guys can agree with that. There's messy parts of our lives that we keep hidden. There's doors that we like to keep shut. 
And even on a more practical note, like there's some rooms that we have in our house that are, that are like fun rooms. There's some rooms that are like relaxation rooms. Some rooms are just necessary, aka the bathroom. You don't want to hang out there, um, but it's necessary. And, it, and also in our lives, there's things that we do that are fun. There's things that we do that are necessary. Like I'm a lot of things. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm an employee. I'm a therapist. I'm a sports fan. I'm a friend. I'm a brother. Like there's a lot of parts to my life. There's a lot of rooms that make me who I am. And so when I read this, I think it's a really cool reminder um, to kind of put a little twist on it and see it as, as for me in my house, as for me in every room in my house, every part of me, everything that makes up who I am, the good parts, the bad parts, the ugly parts, the fun parts, the serious parts, everything in me should serve the Lord. And, so, and I, I think that that's like an important piece that we have to pick up is that we have to make sure that as we're following Christ, it's every part of us. It's all of those rooms that have to be following Christ. It's not just part of them. It's not just the pretty ones. It's all of them are designed to follow Christ. Who I am as a friend, who I am um, as, as, a, as a family guy, who I'm, I am at work, it should all be designed to follow and worship God. You might say that's nice, but what in the world does that have to do with relationships? I got you. And we're going to finish with this. In John 4, um, we have um, the story of uh, Jesus uh, meeting the woman at the well. You can turn there if you'd like, um, but you don't have to. Uh, so Jesus is kind of at the beginning of his ministry, and he places himself very intentionally at a well in the middle of the day um, with the intention of, of meeting this woman and, and blessing her. By the way, you want to know the name of the well? Jacob's well. You want to know where it was? It's in Shechem. Almost 2,000 years ago, when God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, and, and through you, the whole world is going to be blessed. 2,000 years later, here's Jesus sitting on that very well, the very place where Joshua made his declaration, the very place where Abraham made the altar in honor of the promise. And here he is to fulfill the promise for this woman. Whew. Cool, right? So here he is at this well. We don't know a lot about this woman, but what we do know is that she had five husbands and the woman that she's living with wasn't her husband. So you could probably say she has some relationship issues. She's struggling with relationships. And what Jesus tells her, he says, hey, if you drink from this water, you're gonna be thirsty again. But if you drink from the water I give, living water, you'll never thirst again really weird coded thing to say to somebody, but it works because it's Jesus, right? What, he, what is he really saying? I think what he's really saying is, hey, all of these like relationships that you have that you keep going to, to find fulfillment, they're, you're never gonna find true fulfillment in them until you first find fulfillment in me. He's saying, you've got to have the right relationship here with me yourself before these other relationships are going to fall into place like they're designed to do. Um, uh, like a, a, pastor, a, a pastor I heard said um, a phrase I really like. He says, you'll never be right with your mate before you're first right with your maker. So I think it's important for us to hear that as for me and my house has to be right in order for me and my house to ever find success. You with me? 
And so I want to leave us with that idea as we launch into this series on relationships, as we talk about these really serious, super necessary topics of marriage and uh, parenting, relationships, I want us to always come back to, to the idea that none of what we talk about is going to work. None of it is going to help if we don't first center it and build it upon the foundation of our own relationship with God. Um, we can't expect to be the fathers, the mothers, the spouses that we're designed to be if we're not first being the people that we've designed to be in relationship with God. You with me? Um, So if you're struggling with maybe some parenting and, and I don't want you to leave here and immediately just go make it right with your kids. You should leave here and make it right with God and then go to your kids. You with me? If you're struggling in marriage, anybody struggle in marriage? I do, I am. Don't leave here and immediately try and make it right with your spouse. Leave here and make it, get right with God and then go to your spouse. Because if we're not building on that foundation, it's, it's useless. Uh, everything else is useless. We will never be what God's called us to be. And in order to do that, in order to build that foundation, the way it's designed to, to be built, it requires a very serious, steadfast, throw down the gauntlet, Shechem moment where we decide for ourselves, as for me, And my house, as well as my house, we're serving the Lord, period. It's powerful, right? So here's how we're gonna end the service today. Um, Kyle is gonna come and he's just gonna kind of play softly in the background. Um, We're not necessarily singing any songs or anything like that because I want us to really be able to focus in on, um, on some of these truths. What I want you to do is just spend some time in prayer. Spend some time talking with God. If you are someone who struggles in the area of relationships, if this entire thing has been just heart-wrenchingly painful for you, um, talk to God about it. Tell him how hard it is. Tell him you don't like it. He can handle it. Um, Go to him with that hurt and with that pain. If you're somebody who's struggling in some of these other relationships where you recognize, man, I'm not being the the father, I'm not being the spouse, I'm failing in some of these areas, Slow down and look at how are you doing with with Jesus? How are you doing with God? And visit that first. Think about your relationship. Think about what what changes do I need to make here before I start making changes there, right? Um, And if you haven't talked to God in a little while, just say hi. If you haven't had it, we live busy lives. It's so easy to just like get going with all of our things and, and forget about God. If you haven't talked to him in a minute, man, here's a space for you. A space for you to just say hi. A space for you to spend some time with him. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time talking to God about whatever it is you need to talk to him about. And then I'll close this out. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 10.45 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.